This is Comet Picks by The Glick. Hey, and we're back. We're back. It's like after technical difficulties involving um, John's son getting um, disturbingly sick. <laughs> but he's better now, right? Yes, he's way better now. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we're back. And just like I promised at the end of the last podcast, I'm here to talk about X-Men. Now, really, there are, there are two kinds of comics, comics fans in the world. There are those who, A, still read X-Men, or B, stopped reading X-Men long ago because it just got too complicated or just... Or they remember how how much how badly it sucked during the nineties. <laughs> like John, which which kind of X Men fan are you? I'm the the, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, because with X Men, I mean, they're responsible for the greatest greatest stories in superhero fiction. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just like with any franchise, it gets massively popular. It means like there's you get your um, get, I mean, you get your period where like everything's being built up and it's like you're building a legend and things are awesome. And then you get that like, period where you're just you're kind of coasting on the legend. Like you're just like you're still milking the thing, right. but it's not not as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And um and then like now you're but now it's like French has been kind of in kind of in a decline for a while. But like even so, it's like all comics have been in decline for for a good long time now. But and with, even with X Men, though, I mean, there's still good stuff to be had there. Right. I mean, but with X Men, I mean, it's like it's a special case because I mean with X Men. The thing comes up every time we talk about it. It's continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all this. Like you, it's not that you can't just like pick up a X Men trade paperback and realize, okay, so I can't. I can just like read this, read this cold. You know, no, you have to like with most X Men stuff. You have to know, okay, who are these people? What's the story that's gone before? And I, it's like, what am I getting myself into? Like, like for me, it's like I got into X Men back back in the nineties. Like I had a friend of mine who he he knew all the. All the stuff that was going on, he right. he had explanation of who all these characters are. I mean, he's the guy who could explain Cable's origin, and he's like uh, Cable, like yeah, I love the guy. I mean, he's a freedom fighter from the future, sent to, sent to the present to change to change his future. And he, it's a, his greatest. And while he's got the mutant powers of telekinesis and tele- telepathy, along with like being able to wield big fucking guns, yeah, it's like he's his greatest superpower was being able to um, become a viable crea- viable character despite being created by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, he was created without without an origin. I mean, like, he was created because, like, Rob Liefeld wanted to draw, like, a guy, like, a mystery guy who wielded big guns and knew Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> and he had the big guns. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it's like, it's, and, like, all, all this has come to explain his origin has basically come after, after, like, years after the character was created. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's, but still, that's the kind of thing that you're, you're up against with X Men. I mean, like with a lot of stuff these days, I mean, like, you, you can't really pick it up cold. But so, really, this podcast is, isn't for anyone who's looking to get into X Men. Right? It's for all those fans who you're still reading it and you want to know like what's what's still decent. Uh, no, reading it. Um, if anyone's just seen the movies, that yeah. may not be enough of a background. Yeah. To be honest, like, yeah, if you've seen the movie and you like X Men, you want to read more. Go look for the um, three for the three soft cover or hard cover or the main trade paperback volumes written by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. To be honest, that's all you need. And if you're just looking to read X Men, just just to see like the, that one great story, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, right now, like the X Men are in kind of a quandary because a couple of years back during Marvel's big summer crossover, House of M, like the guys the powers be at Marvel decided, hey, you know what? There are too many mutants. Let's go ahead and simplify things down. Like, just make mutanity something special again. Like, like having not many mutants out there. Mm-hmm. And so they have the Scarlet Witch basically say, no more mutants. And like, bam, 95% of all mutants lost their powers. 
And, you know, Rick, rather than actually going and building on this setup, a lot of the a lot of writers, Rick, for the X titles went, oh, okay, that's fine. No, it's like, we're going to go back to telling the stories you want to tell. We're not going to, like, this whole um, No More Mutants business, yeah, he's like, well, what can, what can we do with it, you know? It's, mm-hmm. Where do we go from there? And at this point, like, the whole, like, all the thrust of the X, X titles basically, like, is basically towards basically undoing all the stuff that House of M did, because it's kind of, like, led to a storytelling dead end. I mean, like, what can you do with the X-Men as an endangered species? Like, not a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, some titles, like Peter David's X-Factor, have done some good stories with that. But, yeah, but David has really... He's been really been the only um, writer who's actually shown some interest in actually getting some... Telling some actual stories based on the fallout from House of M. Mm-hmm. As it is right now, all, all, all the titles are basically working towards, like, when are we going to, like, undo this thing? And right now, the pivot around that concept rests is the most recent crossover... Messiah complex, but this being an X Men X Men story, you, know, like you can't you can't just read a Messiah complex cold, right? Like I mean, like aside from that, it basically brings in all f- the four core X Men titles at the time: Uncanny, um, Adjectiveless, um, X Factor, and Young X Men. No, no, New X Men. My bad. Like oh, trying to remember what the um, Young team is called these days. Okay, but prior to that, it helps helps if you read the um, the two um, pro- two introduction the two. Um, Crossover setting up novels, um, uh, Blinded by the Light, written by Mike Carey, and Extre- The Extremist, written by Ed Brubaker. And it's, they're both, now, as it is, they're both good X-Men stories. I mean, The Extremists, I mean, it's like, it sets up the um, the fact that there's, like, as it is, like, there's, there are no, like, there are no future timelines for X-Men. Like, all their alternate futures have been, there are no mutants in any of them. But, as it turns out, like, there's, there's a book of prophecy out there that a new book of prophecy because like all the other ones are being eliminated, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but and like the X Men are out, are out to secure it from the Morlocks, who've basically um, who have been reading this and realize like, hey, you know what? We've got to go out and start killing humans in order to make this this new mutant filled mutant filled future come true. Mm-hmm. So really, it's it's just a story about actually setting up the crossover, then just um, being a story about terrorism, only one step removed from reality. Hmm. And you know that that's good because like having it's one thing to show like you know the X Men like dealing with dealing with um like um, mutant terrorists um attacking a attacking attacking New York City in a fictional sense rather than just have them go go to Iraq and have them take out all the insurgents there you know stuff like that and it it works it works pretty well and the art by Salvador La Roca is is pretty good too yeah it oh it's like not a bad not a bad volume and it's. Like I say, if you got some familiar with, familiar with the X X franchise, it's it's good readings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other the other um, crossover setting up volume, Blind by the Light, by Mike Carey, written by, with art by um, Roberto Ramos, Mike Chris Bacallo, and Mike Choi. That's actually it has a much more direct tie into the, uh, the crossover because it basically shows you it basically has the um, core X Men group, which is a group of astonishing Cyclops, Wolverine, um, Emma Frost. Kitty Pride, Colossus, and Colossus, um, is he showing up to take care of Rogue, who is, who has gone insane after after absorbing the um, eight million minds of the Hecatome from the for her adventures in in Supernovas, which I talked about way back way back in the uh, cross in the continuity podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so so basically, Rogue's gone insane. The X Men are trying to help her out, but you know, it's like there's some people who are out who, who don't who don't think that they're going to do a job. Like Mystique, 
Because Mystique, you know, it's like she basically exists to just betray the X-Men, which she does right here. <laughs> and only this time, she's not that she's just betrayed them. She's seen up with Mister Sinister's Marauders, and they're out to and they're out to take take out the X Men and to basically eradicate all the other all the other all other evidence of alternate futures. So basically, like a lot of other characters who who are from alternate futures get taken out here, including Cable, but not really because he'll be back in a second. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, but it's it's a good. But like with like um, Supernovas was, um, Blind of the Light is a good, good example of um, Carrie writing a smarter version of the X, X-Men as they were in the 90s. I mean, it's basically like they're running around beating the crap out of each other, like I'm um, being profound about it. And um, but he does a good job like of doing of injecting a lot, a lot of character, a lot of character and personality to all all the people. And you and he also does introduce a nice twist. Like while um, well the group led by Exodus under um, Mr. Sinister's, Sinister's directives. Is out to um, get the uh, the de- the Destiny's diaries. He finds out that oh wait, the X Men have been guarding blank books all this time. Why have they been doing that? Well, apparently because um, Emma Frost decided, hey, you know what? We can't actually let anyone know where these are. We have to, I have to like like I have to um, wipe all your. I have to like set up a keyword to restore your memory to let let everyone know where these diaries are, and then wipe your mind so you've forgotten that you've actually they're trying they're trying guarding blank books. I mean that that's clever stuff right there, and it's like that's kind of like that's kind of plenty you expect from this volume, and it's it's certainly a lot of fun, and and I guess if you like my Carrie stuff for X Men, it's highly recommended. That being said, now that we've led into the actual actual crossover Messiah complex, I have to say that um, this is definitely one of the better X crossovers of all time because mm. like I've read I've read a bunch of them like. Like Executioner Song, um, Fatal Attractions, like the Onslaught stuff, or in the Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And this one is good because more than anything else, what it succeeds in doing is simply the writers, they've got a plan. They, they know what they're doing for the franchise from here. Because even though you've got four different writers, I mean, you've got Brubaker, you've got Mike Carey, you've got Peter David, and you've got Craig Kyle, and, well, five writers actually, because Craig Kyle and Chris Yoss both write um, New X-Men. Mm-hmm. And you've got you got them um, basically um, telling the story of the first mutant birth since um, since House of M, and um, it and uh, while the X Men like basically arrive on the scene of this Alaska place, it's been Alaska City has been torched to the ground by not only Mister um, Sinister's Marauders but also this group of group called the Purifiers, a bunch of mutant hating humans who are out to, who have their own religious reasons for wiping all mutants off the face of the earth. So now they but as it turns out, neither of these guys actually has the baby. So now the X-Men have to f- take on both of them to find out where's where's this kid and um, what are these what are the, uh, these guys up to? Mm-hmm. And even though it's got in the you got all these writers um, like telling their own stories, I mean they actually they actually do a job of working working together and actually telling a good coherent story. I mean it's told in three arcs. I mean you've got three issues of you got the first arc of uh, you got un- uncanny um, X Factor New X Men and then X Men, um, doing like, like one round of those stories, telling the first first story arc. Then you get the second round, telling the, telling the second and then the third, wrapping everything up. I mean, it's it's it's, it's cohesively told, and even though um, all the writers have their own personality, they still shine through to a certain extent. But they still like, um, like no no one left to, like to submerge their own ticks to um tell know that they're we're telling. We're working on a big um, inter- intertidal crossover, so we've got to make sure this is a story that's that's cohesively told across all these 
all these different titles. And it works. I mean, especially like in the climax when everyone converged. I mean, everyone. And we're talking like like all the X, all the X teams versus all Sinister's bad guys hmm. going up against going against each other in Alaska. And um, then with um, Cable showing up, he goes, hey, surprise, he's not dead. Big uh-huh. surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that, because Cable, he's got his own agenda for why for why he wants to save this girl, but to save the mutant, because he, cause he realized that, hey, you know what? If this girl stays in this present time, every group is going to want to stake a claim to her. So I've got to take her into the future so that she can she can grow up and be a, be a normal kid without everyone trying to kill her all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reason, but... The thing is, like, not everyone agrees with him, including some of the other people from the future who realize, hey, you know what? If this girl was dead, it's like, my future would be a whole lot better. <laughs> and that's that's kind of like the lead the lead out for the series shoots from here from there on out. I mean I said Messiah Complex, it's good stuff. It convinces you that the that the character that they've got that the writers have a plan for where they're going, even though it kinda like in the end it kinda only exists to set up future stories future stories for each of the X titles. Uh-huh. And also also to shoot Professor Professor X in the head. Ah. That's pleasant. Oh yeah. It's like I mean it's like it's <laughs> one of those things but it's also but that that ending thing right there is kinda like, oh well yeah, we shot Professor X got shot in the head, but you know like we couldn't actually like have enough ending pages to actually like elaborate on that um elaborate on that specifically, so we're gonna like leave it to um Carrie to take up take up in his revamping of of X of X Men, more on that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also one of the things I like about um, Legacy is that, I mean, no, oh, sorry, I like about the Messiah Complex trade paperback is that it's got a lot. It actually, uh, actually, pre- um, um, reprints the uh, the X Men um, summit notes from when all the writers met to flesh out the um, Messiah Complex storyline, and I love this stuff. I mean, I'd rather have have all stuff like this, like all the writers talk about. What, how this story came to be, as opposed to like, oh wait, we got sketch galleries for this volume. Oh, I could give a shit. <laughs> but it's fascinating to read the uh, read the storyline that they're um, outlined for for a Messiah complex, and then realize, oh wow, that this what they put down as notes really didn't um, translate to the to the page. I mean, they went mm. went through a lot of changes. Mm. I mean, it's it's good stuff, and I love love to see more of this stuff and. In all trade paperbacks, but you know, like most Marvel and everyone else seems to be committed to just putting out um, like sketch galleries at the back of each volume because that's that's cheaper, I guess. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, well, I've been harping on about how a Messiah Complex shows that the writers have a plan for all the X titles afterwards. Mm-hmm. The follow-up is kind of like, well, well, we got we know kind of what we want to do, but we're kind of like want to we're gonna like kill time to see if um, all the audience wants to follow. Follow these new titles after their, like after the, after the Messiah Complex. Now, title that was set up the most after Messiah Complex is Cable, because after he escapes into the future, now they're giving him his own title to show his his adventures with the baby, mm-hmm. like in the future, in specifically New Jersey of twenty forty three. Yeah, so he so he's going through the future, and he's also got um he also got the guy. Well, I kind of want to I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, but I kind of want to. I want to see how far I can go because really it's it's unavoidable to say that that Bishop, the X Man for the future, well his future was basically brought about by a parent. He feels that this X baby has like her birth was basically the um, Messiah that basically brought about his horrible horrible future, mm-hmm. and now he wants to kill her in order to prevent that future from coming from coming to pass. Mm-hmm. Cable, 
he, he's not just protector and saver. Right. So naturally, like, there's this opposition here. Right. Now, the first volume, Messiah War, confusingly titled Messiah War, because Messiah War is the title of the next crossover after Messiah Complex, and the actual title inside the um, single issues in the book is actually called War Baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like, great, great job. Man. But you know, that kind of like right hand, not knowing what the left hand is doing. Sure, that's, exactly. That, yeah, that's common with Marvel these days. Yeah, I gotcha. And, you know, like the storyline, it's not bad. I mean, it's, but the whole the whole premise hinges upon the fact that Cable's um, inter, um, chronometer gets broken to the point where he can't he can't jump back in back in time. He can only jump into the future now. So he's got to find he got to, he has to um, decide like how like how am I going to manage this in order to save the kid? Like, I can't just jumping keep going into the future like recklessly. Like I've got to I got to work, work this out. And I also got to deal with Bishop uh, on my ass trying to find out where this is going. I mean it's it's a decent story. It meets. It picks up on the, the threads of um, Messiah Complex well enough, but it's these first five issues really could have been told in just in two. I mean, that's it's like the whole decompression thing. Make yeah, I want like more pages telling, giving the story room to breathe. But when you got stuff like this, I mean, like, I look at this and think, you know, we could have done this in two, and um, it would have had the same same effect. I mean, like it's written competently by Dwayne Swierzyski. Um, got some nice over-the-top art by um, Ariel Olivetti. He's got an interesting realistic style, but he's but his big burly guy style is is well suited to Cable. Like he's you know, like big guy with the guns, right? So, but you know that's not bad. And to be honest, I it's it's kind of skippable. To be to be honest, so like I mean, you can I guess you can probably wait and pick up on Cable when um when the Messiah War trade paperback comes out. <laughs> Anyway, that being said, the same complaint applies to the follow-up issues for Uncanny X-Men. Mm. Um, um, this volume, Divided We Stand, written by Ed Brubaker and um, illustrated by Mike Choi with some help from Ben Oliver in the last chapter. Well, basically, after the end of Messiah Complex, Cyclops said, hey, you know what, the X-Men, there's no Professor X, so we're going to disband for a while. <laughs> oh, but wait, we're only doing this to fool Iron Man and his, um, and his initiative project from... Like from Civil War, so the X Men don't have to subscribe to this stuff. But right. it's, I mean, like overall, it's it feels like a uh, like a filler story because when you've got um because basically there are two um, storylines in this in this volume. I mean, you've got you got Cyclops and Emma Frost um, finding out that oh San Francisco has been taken over by hippies. <laughs> so we've got so we got to go over there and find out what the deal is. Mm-hmm. While um Wolverine, <clears throat> um Colossus, and Nightcrawler. Um, take take a trip to Russia to figure out to just try and find themselves, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but only find but only finding a bunch of um Russian um like Russian um, government bad guys who realize, hey, you know what? We've noticed the X Men after this whole House of M business, all of their mutants, all the mutants affiliated with the X Men, they haven't really been uh, been um, affected by any of these um depowerings. What's up with that? Hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a nice thread that that should have been developed more, mm-hmm. but it really isn't because it basically sets up a big fight with um, one of the um, big '90s villains, Omega Red, because yeah. he's Russian and he he's got those energy sucking tendrils that works up. But ultimately, the point of this is for Cyclops and Emma Frost to save the save San Francisco from being overrun by hippies, and because um, you know, there's this mind controlling mutant that's out that bas- that's basically out to bring 
that's basically latched on to these, these hippies, these former hippies who just want to, you know, like bring back peace and love and how things used to be to San Francisco. Like, are they, uh, is the mutant like a, a, a liberal? <laughs> I admit I so. No, she's like, no, she, she, she's, she's an amnesiac. Yeah, amnesiac. <laughs> yeah. Not so, that there's anything wrong with being liberal, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but the thing is, uh, basically, ultimately, the story. Story for the specific exists exists to like, just like, get the X Men to San Francisco. That's that's a new base, because like what better place for a bunch of mutants, like the most hated and feared minority in in the oh, Marvel yeah. universe, to be, then the most um, li- liberal and the most liberal city in the United States. Right. <laughs> it's like and really like this. Hey, we fit in well here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's not bad, but like I said, it could have been done could have been sooner. Sure, could have been could have been sooner and shorter. Mm. Okay. Now, as far as the other titles go, I mean, like, X-Factor. Like, it's a Peter David's title. Um, well, basically, X-Factor kind of had its heart ripped out as a result of Messiah Complex. Because one of its characters was stuck in the future. Another one has basically decamped to join um, X-Force, the um, mutant black ops team led by Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about that title here because I basically heard the first story ar- storyline was kind of crap. So I figured, you know, it's like, just, just skip that. Let's see if the dogs lie. Yeah. But X-Factor, more than anything else, is basically just for Peter David to tell stories about Jamie Madrox, multiple man. And mm-hmm. he's, a, he, he's a character who, I mean, he's got his ability to split himself off into multiple versions of himself. He's, he can go in any, any direction he wants without actually having to choose one of his own. And as it is with X-Factor, I mean, with, the, with all, with its... With um, Layla Miller, the girl who knows stuff, um, stuck in the future, and and Ron's, Rain Sinclair, Wolfsbane, um, basically taken off for reasons that she can't explain to us as a team without basically um, for, for reasons of secrecy for um, X Force. Like, I mean, they've got to find out. Like, well, like now that these our heart is gone, what, what do we do? Like, what, what what's the point of having an X Factor team after at this point? I mean, again, and Madrox, he wants to keep things keeps things going because, like, you know what? This is all he's known. Like, this team setup is his is his family. But and with everyone else just wanting to do do whatever, I mean, it's like what what's he got to do? Enter Arcade, like oh, the man. one of the uh, old X Men villains, who's basically like his gimmick is just going around creating elaborate um, amusement style amusement park style death traps for for no good reason. <laughs> so basically, you got this really pointless character. Character no character who says in pointless get pointless um, villain gimmicks, um, taking taking on this team who's got no reason no reason to remain together in the first place. <laughs> it's a it's a risk. It it could have been awful, but David makes it work. And in the end, even though you can hear you, even though it's like you can feel that that ah, it's like it, this wasn't quite what he want what David wanted had in mind for the team. It's like he sets up a new status quo. That actually, that, actually seemed, that actually seemed like it could work for, for future stories. So, yeah. like, David, I mean, he's... This is kind of a skill. He takes, like, bad setups, then, like, ring, rings gold out of them. Yeah. So it's so it's another good volume, and I'm looking forward to reading the next next one. By the way, that's a form. good talent to have if you want yeah. to keep writing. Oh, no, it's it's, it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. how... David's been at this for, like, God knows how yeah, long. Many like, years, many just, years. Yeah, it's like, I mean, he's just... He, he just keeps finding find work because like he's got this talent for like, for doing for doing for being righteous about anything. Well, right, yeah. Anyway, after Messiah Complex, um, X Men um, changed its title to X Men Legacy because you know like after because with Professor X being shot in the head, there's no teams. But you know like just because Professor X gets shot in the head, 
That does mean he's dead. Right. Yeah, instead, he was saved by Exodus, who um, wants, who basically, he was basically trying to save, um, ex- he managed to save um, Exodus' body, but his mind is shattered in pieces. So, he calls on Magneto, or, well, Magneto as he is now, because he's ostensibly a, a human, but as um, as I forgot to mention in um, The Extremists, it's pointed out that he's, he might not be a human. He might not, he might have his own agenda right now. Mm-hmm. But he's got he, this is the first arc of legacy. Basically, Xavier um, um, getting his mind, bringing, building his mind back together, and realizing, God, I've been a dick over the years. All these people have gotten killed mm-hmm. as a result of me leading the team. All this selfishness I've, ex- I've displayed over as being as being the founder. All in the name of my dream. God, I've been a dick. You know, it's time to like go back and like start like going out to find myself. I gotta like. I gotta touch base with everyone, find out what kind of person I used to be, so so I can find out what person I want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been marketed as a title for X for hardcore X Men fans, mm. people who can like really dig into the continuity. And mm-hmm. as one who has a running knowledge of most most of the backwaters of X Men continuity, like I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a good it's a good story for focusing on X's efforts to to be a new person. I mean, one of the best parts of this volume is basically him being engaging in a psychic battle with, with Exodus and Exodus bombarding him with all these um, psychic images of him of him like failing as leader of the X-Men and then Xavier just saying just shaking it off and saying and um, I go to the, the finishing blow for against Exodus and saying you know what yeah you tried to um, weigh me down by being by showing me the man I was but that's but that's not who I am now I've got to go and find out like I don't know who I am. I've got to go and try and find, find out who I am. Yeah, because it's basically it's kind of like doing a soft re- reset on the on Professor X's character. I mean, like he's right. he's all these bad sucks. I mean, his his character is riddled with contradictions over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he one time he even faked his death in order to uh, get his X Men to train better at some at some, at one point. Right. I mean, but so it's 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 interesting to see this see this journey. I mean, it's really for hard for hardcore X Men fans. But it's it's a good. But if you if you are, it's a good story. And the second volume, Sins of the Father, keeps up the quality level too. Hmm. So all all good stuff. Now, the last of the um, tiles that picks up on the uh, fallout from from Messiah Complex is Wolverine. Um, this this arc titled Get Mystique, because <laughs> you know it's like Cyclops has realized. God, you know what Mystique? She keeps screwing us over every single time. Mm-hmm. It's like you know it's got the point where you know Wolverine. Yeah, I'm gonna send you out. You gotta kill her ass now. <laughs> and it's now putting aside the fact that it was that um, that that Rogue absorbed part of her mind at the end of Messiah Complex. And some people thought that, oh wait, isn't she um, kind of comatose right now? Nope, she's not. So just <laughs> yeah, it's it's a continuity issue. But based on the strength of the story and Get Mystique, I'm willing to I'm gonna go ahead and let that slide. There you go. Yeah, because it's. Because this story, written written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Ron Garney, it's a lot of fun. I mean, even though, like, to be honest, you know, you know that Wolverine isn't gonna actually kill Mystique because she's one of those characters that's been around for years, right? And even if they did kill her, it's like you know they just find a way to bring her back eventually. Exactly. But really, it's, it's a fun story showing you the um, how Wolverine and Mystique are kind of two sides of the same coin. Like he's the kind of he's a guy who's done a lot of bad stuff. He's he, he, Wolverine's been a bastard in the past. I mean, before he joined the X-Men, he uh-huh. was some some like point like aimless drifter who just went around like just being a bastard to everyone, just being 
it's like I'm doing whatever he wanted because you know he's this kind of guy. He 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 could do whatever he wanted. And his he kill 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 people, beat them up. It's like do it's like screw them over, and it wouldn't matter because like you know his wounds and everything would be healed the next day. It's like what's but um and Mystique though I mean even though like Wolverine he's he's trying to make amends for all for the person that he was right. Mystique she just keeps making the, she just keeps being being the same same bastard she always is <laughs> yeah and this this volume basically has has Wolverine tracking her down to Afghanistan wow which as you can imagine isn't the um, best place for an American or yep. even a Canadian right like yeah. Wolverine to be um right. to be in these days or a white skinned Caucasian looking yes. fella <laughs> and all sorts of bad things happen because Mystique pulls out every single stop in the books to screw him over mm-hmm. yeah, like apart from Patrick like pretending to be him and killing some killing some people which gets Wolverine a machine gun by the locals mm-hmm. um like posing as a kill like killing a um, U.S. senator to pose poses him, and then like well, having Wolverine having to get himself blown up in order to um, in order to, like pose as a corpse in order to get into the into this U.S. U.S. secured zone. I mean, it's it's just it's just like really really good stuff, and it's also paralleled by the story of Wolverine and Mystique um, working together in the nineteen twenties as huh. as like they're they're trying to pull this like big bank heist, but naturally things go bad. And you find out that well, you know, like Wolverine, like he, like he screwed them over. Like yeah, he screwed his buddies over, but only because Mystique screwed them over, screwed them all over first. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's a great thing, and Aaron writes a great um, Wolverine. He's this like great ma- manly man who just like realizes like, hey, you know what? God, it hurts. It hurts to be me, but I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do isn't pretty. <laughs> like he just he just nails Wolverine's characterization, and. Even though it's like he's faced with an impo- that that whole you can't kill Mystique um, setup, the final conflict um, between him and him and Mystique at the end is still great because Wolverine manages score manages score a great moral victory over her and like I won't spoil it because like I said you, I have to say you, you gotta go out and buy this because like, even if you I will say as opposed to all of those we've been talking about this um, get Mystique is a good standalone story I mean you can just know that. All you know is like Wolverine's been ordered to kill Mystique um, due to reasons like that were established in the crossover. Mm-hmm. But and then um, you can just um, enjoy this as a good standalone Wolverine story. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean it's, it's great fun. And the reason I'm ending on this note though is because you know it's like, well, in case you haven't noticed, we we've got another we got another comic movie coming out. Oh yeah, a comic movie involving Wolverine. Exactly. Yeah. So naturally, next time I'm gonna be talking all about Wolverine. So like. In case like you weren't completely um, turned off by all the X Men stuff I was talking about, I'm going to be talking about their most popular character next week. So, uh-huh. on that note, call it a night, and we'll see you in a week or two. All right, see you later.